Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rain. Happy Tuesday! Happy Tuesday. Welcome to one e- your one-year anniversary of March 2020. What a year it's been. There's been loss. There's been sadness. There's been pounds gained. Ugh. Pounds lost. Flexibility lost. Anyway, you know, guys, we're up on a year and we're feeling like things are going to get better. It's hard as a Canadian looking at the states and seeing how they're opening shit up. Like Texas and Florida just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, Is that a good thing? No. Who knows? Um, I mean, but it's hard. We're going to talk about it in this interview. And I think we should preface this interview by saying it's not really arts related. It's it's arts related. It's arts adjacent <laughs> because um, we're all artists because we're all artists but we thought that you know it's been a year and we've been talking about COVID mo- briefly in each episode yeah and it was finally time for us to do an episode a COVID episode yeah so we brought back her nanny was like a favorite in like the first two seasons second or in the first two seasons he was great just like an awesome person to chat with yeah he's cool um, dude and he is an essential worker. He yeah. is in healthcare. He's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd bring him in to have a little chat, ask him about all of our COVID-related questions, ask about vaccine rollout. Yep. Um, I had like a lot of questions about why Canada feels beh- so behind in our vaccine rollout. And I think that like this answered a lot of questions. Yeah. So um, if you're interested about that, then it's, I would keep listening. Yeah, totally. It's... You know, it's, it's, Texas is an interesting case because they opened up a hundred percent and they took away their mandatory mask mandate, but that doesn't mean that they're not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. So I was just listening to someone talk about it where they're, the belief of the state is that they just shouldn't tell you what to do. They recommend that you wear masks. They recommend mm-hmm. that you physically distance, but they don't think that the state should have so much power that they tell you how to live your life. So it's which is like a very Texas way to go about um, doing things, mm-hmm. I think, which is interesting. But it's also kind of crazy at the same time. Yeah, I mean, listen, who knows what's going to happen? Vaccine seemed to be happening for the states. Um, for the states. <laughs> so in, but in Toronto, if you are, and in Ontario, if you're between the ages of 60 and 64, you can register to get one of the new vaccines. Yeah, and AstraZeneca, which um, apparently wasn't tested on anybody older than 65. So they're only recommending people under 65 to get it, mm-hmm. um, which you can get it. Like I got an email the other day from Rexall um, being like, if you fit this requirement, you can come to Rexall's and get them. Yeah. So, so if you have, yeah, parents, grandparents, someone yeah. close to you, get them signed up. Yeah. It, that's also, I think, an important thing is depending on where you are, the procedures to actually get the vaccine are quite different and especially for people over 80 like fucking call your grandparents because it's a struggle it's probably a struggle for them to figure that system out and you know everything's online and not saying old people can't be online but like shit's harder you know yeah fine yeah um so yeah get people registered and again we're gonna let you know this is a completely covid related episode so if you're triggered by that um we're giving you the heads up yeah. we don't really talk about art that much 
Um, but we do get to talk to a nurse and ask him all the questions about COVID, about how it's been being an essential worker. And that was like a really just like nice episode. So yeah. take a listen and here we go. Okay. So Hernani, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah. We actually had you on season two, season one, season two. Season two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Season two, yeah. I think. yeah. Uh, um, when we were talking about people to come back, um, obviously the conversation, the topics of conversations are <laughs> super different now um, because of everything that's happening. And we were kind of making a list and making sure we had people and different perspectives and everything. And I was like, oh, we should definitely get her nanny back because you were posting lots of information, obviously, um, through your Instagram um, because of what you do. So do you want to explain what you're you're a dancer, but you also have like a, you have a full-time job doing something else, which is kind of, would you say taken over right now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say that that's probably taken over. So like, you know, other than just dancing and photography, I work as a registered nurse at a hospital. Yeah. In the uh, ER department. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously because of everything that's happening, we like, we're making the list and we thought you would be perfect to come on and we could do just like one episode kind of discussing COVID and COVID and the arts and definitely getting your perspective from someone who is working in essential care. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yay. Um, yeah. Because we've also just been like, our perspective is obviously different and we, you know, are constantly discussing things amongst ourselves, but it's nice to have someone uh, that may have a little bit more knowledge than Rainy and I do. <laughs> totally and it's yeah. experiencing everything um like frontline yeah firsthand um yeah totally so yeah be great great <laughs> my like first question to you because I also live with a nurse and mm -hmm. she's constantly telling me like how understaffed they are is it like yeah. your experience at your hospital right now too are you working way more than you typically would I mean, with the emergency department in general, uh, we're always like in, in the hospital in general, we're always understaffed. Mm -hmm. It's just that now with COVID kind of happening around, um, it's becoming a lot more stressful, both physically and mentally mm -hmm. for a lot of our staff here. Um, so having the turnaround, like turnover for staff. Um, we have this thing, what we call, and, you know, I think it's in every field as well too, but in nursing, it's like a main problem, which is burnout. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of staff burning out from, um, the working conditions. <clears throat> and I think initially when it first started, everything was kind of up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. So organizational wise, like, you know, we didn't know what this virus was going to be like, um, what kind of precautions we were going to take. Uh, it went from being like, oh, it's just a normal flu to like, oh, this is something worse um, and like vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and that was changing policies left and right for us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were just for us, a lot of my staff members, I think, were thinking like, you know, we can catch this any any way. And so a lot of them were very afraid. They were, right. you know, taking every precaution as possible to make sure that um, we don't get sick, right? Right. Um, so I think that mental stress really uh, drove into a lot of people. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not, so in the ER department, what is, mm -hmm. what was your mask policy before COVID and what is it now? Um, I think initially, um, 
you know, uh, they were very hesitant on giving us N95s. Yeah. Um, mm. Due to the shortage. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, with Canada, we don't have any manufacturing companies that uh, focuses on building N95s. A lot of it is outsourced now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that as well, too, the stock that was supposed to be meant for pandemics, all of them expired. So oh, wow. Canada has, yeah, so Canada has this, um, ever since SARS actually happened, wow. uh, Canada actually had a stockpile of N95 masks and um, personal protective equipment um, that the government didn't replenish. Mm. So they actually, like when they checked to be like, hey, another pandemic is happening, <laughs> everything was expired, right? You know? Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nothing yeah. even was replenished during swine flu? No, no. Yeah. Wow. So, so with that being said, they even put on the news, I think it was like they no- donated it to China. And I'm laughing because I'm just like half of like most of those things are like they're they're expired, you know, like the rubbers were so old that like they they would break. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like it's unusable, basically, um, which is why we ended up getting into this crisis of like not having a 95 mask. Yeah. Going back to your question, you know, we were we were forced to um, ration them. Um, So you'd see like on the news we would, you know, we would have an one N95 mask for the whole shift, you know? And how often uh, should you be switching them over per shift? So technically, <clears throat> normally we switch them off and on every time we come in to see a patient and then out, Wow. you know? Yeah. So we should be changing them frequently. It just, it reduces any amount of risk of getting an infection. Right. But you're having this on you, say you touch it, you adjust it or whatever you want to do there's still that, you know, chance of it going onto your hands, touching whatever, you know what I mean? Like it's this unseen enemy that you don't realize that it's there, but when it's there, it's bad. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's usually too late. So yeah, so we normally would have to do that. And then we actually, you know, many hospitals, it's a two mask implement, you know? So when we go to the work, they provide us two surgical masks that we use throughout the whole day. Obviously, with the ER department, we have an exception, which is, yeah, you know, like if it gets soiled or something like that, then we have to change it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So again, as as the months progressed, it changed from like rationing very, very like, like mm-hmm. you know, like this is like a world war kind of situation to okay, we'll still ration, but like we won't, we'll be more conscientious of like you know waste wasting masks. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, that actually just kind of leads into one of my questions, which is mm-hmm. seeing, and I don't know, like not trying to like, I don't want to get a, like a scare tactic response, obviously. I don't, that's sure, not why I'm sure. asking this question, but yeah. I kind of am interested in like for myself, like just how dire need were we for masks and beds? And also, is there a chance of that happening again? Mm, okay. Good question. So I think for the public, it's very interesting because, um, okay. You know, I, I put it out onto my social media to mm-hmm. make sure that, A, we're informed, but also like, you know, you have to look at several different lenses, just not, you know, one lens. Mm-hmm, so like someone would come to my emergency department and will look that it's quite empty mm-hmm. in, in the waiting room, right? which normally you expect like in a Grey's Anatomy episode or some kind of, you know, chaos. Um, show. Yeah, always <laughs> chaos. And that, that tells us that we're very busy. 
um, you know, and in reality, busy for us is like how sick the patients are. And, you know, we usually say we have a saying at work where it's like, if you're waiting, that's actually a very good thing. Because that means that you're not urgent, you know? Yeah. Um, we still want to provide care, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're not as, as urgent where we need to acutely deal with you at the moment. Right. Right. Um, and again, everyone's got a varying degree of what they think is urgency. But for emergency, we like look at it as like life or limb kind of situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that being said, uh, sorry, remind me of the question again. I just wanted to know, like, how dire we act- we were in need. Right. Like, do you have an experience right. or can you talk about something where you were like, this is, like, I, I might not be able to go to work tomorrow or like, I just mm-hmm. want to know how bad it actually was because there's often this idea that like there's media mongering that's happening and there's scare yeah, tactics. Yeah. Um, and then if it's, there's a chance that it'll happen again. In terms yeah, of- okay. Yeah, so, uh, so continuing on with that. Early on, actually, when COVID started happening, mm-hmm. Nothing, you know, like actually a lot of our, we were just waiting for anything to happen. That was basically it. Like, you know, no, we didn't get a lot of patients. A lot of people were actually afraid to come to the hospital, Mm -hmm. which reduced our our amount of volumes. Then it rose up again when Doug Ford was like, hey, let's, you know, let's get everyone tested. And my hospital was a COVID assessment center. We did a lot of testing. So now we were seeing like 500 to 1,000 people. When generally our volumes were like 250 at most, right. you know, um, and this is just like very like healthy people that were like, hey, um, you know, Doug Ford told me to get uh, tested for COVID and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it only started ramping up near the uh, winter season between. Um, oh, interesting. I would say, yeah, yeah. I so not say, even at that beginning point when they were telling us that beds were full, nothing was full. No, like, I think there was like a good, like four month period where like that it started getting bad. Wow. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and the reason why it's like that um, is because um, that people like retirement homes were getting like, I think every single retirement home was on an outbreak mm-hmm. at that point. So I think from September to February, every single nursing home was on outbreak mm-hmm. right um and that also changes in um in policies as well too right but our we had at one point we actually trained our surgical nurses uh to be icu nurses as a like second wave but that never came so that was okay and then um you know it correlated with the numbers rising as you know how the trend was rising a lot within the past uh, Christmas to like, yeah, um, no, yeah right? Cases were going up to like 8,000, all that stuff. Yeah. That's actually when we felt it, you know? Wow. And, and I think the problem that people don't realize is that, yes, the death ratio is low, mortality-wise is low, but the chronic problems is what's the problem. Um, these people are coming back to us. Like, they've been like, you know, uh, COVID free, but they've coming back to us with like permanent lung damage, mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. Again, not to scare anybody, but like, it's, you know, it, it's like a, a chance that you can, um, be one of those people that have chronic problems due to COVID. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, what they can't figure mm-hmm. out. Right. That's like, they can't mm-hmm. figure out why, because some people don't seem to have any chronic future issues and some people mm-hmm. are getting really affected by it. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and, um, Again, I think it's depending on the immune system, uh, just like how viruses are. 
they kind of work in a way that um, overloads your immune system, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then whatever physical damages or whatever um, micro damages that they cause, it's it's going to be permanent, um, which makes all sense in like the scientific and bio like medical terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so going back, now our ICU beds were full. So we were like, I think in yeah February, um, December, like my ICU friends have been constantly just been like, dub- like booking like double, triple shifts, you know, because I think what people don't understand is the volume. Like, it's okay. I, you know, if you're not that sick, we can put you into a ward. But usually with a lot of these COVID patients, they're incredibly sick. The ones that come and that need an admission. Right. You know, and then they take up a bed. And I think that's the issue is that once an ICU bed is taken, you know, um, they can't get another admission after that. And I think we only have like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like only 900. Right. Um, in the entire province? Into the entire province. Yeah. yeah. Right. 900 is, is a, lot. a lot for ICU. Mm-hmm. But when COVID hits, that's not a lot, you yeah. know, especially with the crazy surge. So then you have the surge. So if, if anything, if you were a trauma patient, if you required ICU admission, if a COVID patient took that, where else are we going to put you? You know, so we've had patients from Oshawa, from Scarborough, from all these other hospitals, then trickling down to our hospital. And then that's taking up our beds. Mm-hmm. And then it's consistently just this like cascading kind of situation. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because... There's also, if someone's being admitted to the ICU, they're most likely going to be there for a longer period of time. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for COVID patients, I think um, I think initial ICU admission will probably take them at least, I would say, two to four weeks. And then after that, they need to go on to a medical ward. Mm-hmm. And they'll be on there for about, um, you know, it could go up to three, four months. Right? Yeah. So then they just take up a bed in general, right? Yeah. When we generally want to have these people leave, right? Mm-hmm. So right. that longer admission makes it harder for us to give a bed to another person, right? Right, yeah. So would you say, like, in terms of masks and beds, are mm-hmm. we in a good position right now? Or is there, I mean, depending on surge and vaccines, is there definitely, are they trying to prepare you for us to be potentially not have enough beds or masks again? Yeah, so um, I think, I think we're in a good spot, to be honest with you now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a new hospital that was made up in uh, Vaughn area that they kind of designated as a COVID hospital. Okay. Um, it's uh, affiliated with McKenzie Health. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're opened up. It's new, brand new, kind of like how Humber River created their own new hospital. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So they have, we have more beds. Uh, they had a mass hiring um of like ICU nurses and emergency nurses so hopefully that gives us a, a an edge on this um yeah. cases have lowered down which is great as well too um my emergency department I think like three weeks ago looked like a total mess now actually it looks pretty good and cross mm-hmm. my fingers it's going to stay that way mm-hmm. um but it's the only worry we've had to say is we're in a good situation right now but in the future we're trying to prepare ourselves again yeah. Uh, for this max ex- exodus of possibly having, you know, people getting sick again, just because, you know, you're vaccinated, you think you're okay, you get sick, you still can shed it and give it to other people who haven't been vaccinated, mm-hmm. stuff right. like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
that was like something I had to explain to my grandmother the other day. So they're in Alberta. Mm -hmm. They're over 80, my grandparents. And she got, they got their first shot. And then I was like, that's amazing. Like, that's really great. But she's like, kind of like said it in a way where she was like, now we're fine. And I was like, you, if you get sick, you will hopefully get less sick. Yeah, but it yeah. doesn't mean that you have like you're just negating everything now which mm-hmm, i am mm-hmm. like wondering where that like mixed messaging is coming in um i mean it, it really goes back into like what like vaccines are and what they're actually meant for right um i think that that's also uh, an important thing as well too the general public will just think that a vaccine is this like safe sense of security of like you know, once I'm vaccinated, then I'm okay. But that's not exactly how it works in terms of like, um, you know, the cause of viruses and how viruses spread. We are immune to it, but doesn't mean that necessarily, you know, it'll go away just like the Spanish flu, you know? Right. Uh, Speaking of vaccines, have you been vaccinated? Yeah, I had both uh, had my two vaccines already. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which one did you get? Do you know? I got the Pfizer one. Yeah. Nice. Um, have you noticed or have you heard of any differences between the vaccines that are being rolled out right now? Are some better or some worse in your opinion? Uh, I think based on what the studies have shown, uh, the most, um, uh, I would say, uh, highest efficacy would be Pfizer and Moderna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Sorry, the f- having... highest eth- efficacy. Is that what you said? Efficacy, efficacy. So how good they are. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So how how, uh, good they are in terms of um, dealing with the virus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so like AstraZeneca um, and all those other ones, their efficacy was very low, um, I would say, um, under the... Johnson & Johnson is only 60, right? 63%? Yes. But it's only one dose. Yeah. Which might help with like quicker rollout. Which is, which is funny, just, no, you're right, which is funny because Johnson Johnson and I think AstraZeneca, I mean, anybody can correct me, um, but they actually have a, a larger manufacturing capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pfizer and Moderna, um, their product is, is like up to like 97, 93% oh, efficacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just funny how, again, capitalism kind of go, rolls into here where it's like, <laughs> You know, if you guys did a contract together, then Pfizer and Moderna can probably roll out, right. you know, their vaccines faster because they have the manufacturing capabilities. But now right. let's just make our own vaccine. Like, why aren't and they again, open sourcing these all over the world? You know, like, yeah, what the fuck's going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. So that, again, that is like a whole range of politics that, I mean, I would never understand until if I was actually in the CEO or board of the directors there, right? Yeah. Are they just like so much money? Literally Probably sitting like, there being like, fuck everybody else. We're just going to make our own. Like, I don't. A big pharma, man. Like, that's, yeah. that's just how it is, right? A lot of it's right. based on profits for them. Totally. Yeah. Have you, I mean, so yeah, Modern and Pfizer. Mm-hmm. Are we, you're not able to, like, people that are getting vaccines right now, how is the rollout ha- happening? Like, are you just getting mm-hmm. whichever one the hospital acquires? Are you able to choose? Like, how are they? Did it like some hospitals buy Moderna? Did some hospitals buy Pfizer? Like, I'm just interested about how that whole process has worked because there all there's mm-hmm. all this talk about the different vaccines. Right. Excuse me. Um, so, um, for the most part, I think they distribute um, based on um, kind of what supplies they have available. 
Mm-hmm. So I think Pfizer and Moderna were, were like, when people think about like, you know, they, oh, we got 21 million. You got to think about 21 million doses divided by two because you're yeah. getting two yeah. doses, um, you know, and then on top of that, it's like, you got to get the healthcare workers. It's like all of Canada, right? right? So it's not as logistically, I think it's not as feasible. Um, so, you know, they're also <laughs> kind of waiting for shipments to come to. So I think it's based on, you know, logistical standpoints of like, hey, all right, we have the shipment of Pfizer coming in February, let's roll that out. And then we're expecting a shipment from AstraZeneca or um, Moderna or et cetera, um, at these certain times. And then, you know, they're just rolling it out there. And then based on kind of, unfortunately, the, the, the luck of choice, if the shipment is there, and that's the only shipment available, then you're going to be getting that. Um, vaccine yeah and are they going to tell you initially are they when they give it to you are they going to say this is the one you're getting in case like something happens in the future that something gets oh yeah legally yeah. they have to yeah um, with any medication that we give blind yeah, stabbing just, people yeah, well, yeah. i don't know like i would be like which one are my, out of like the six that we've talked about which one am i getting and then like three years down the line they're like anybody that gets that had moderna or like something like you know i don't know they, well they usually they usually give you a, like a vaccine a vaccination card so it, it's uh, like a proof of vaccination um i mean some people will just throw it away but like it should be on record um <clears throat> now i think for the general public public it should be the onus on them to keep that personal record right yeah. um for the healthcare workers i think like it's like mandated for us to so, like you know like we're already in the system kind of thing right um but yeah i think for the general public just make sure to keep that card with you right yeah um is the AstraZeneca one also an mRNA vaccine? And then the Johnson & Johnson one is different, right? It's a different style. I haven't studied the Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that the top like um, uh, the top uh, vaccines are mRNA. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was reading that the Johnson & Johnson one, it's more to, it's like... Um, it is more similar to the traditional flu vaccine where it's um, in like composition is different and that's why it's only a single shot, but. That makes sense. Uh, And that's probably why it makes sense that the efficacy is so low too. Yeah. Um, The there's two different uh, technologies uh, for vaccines. Um, One is the mRNA. uh, And then the other one is uh, the dead vaccine. Uh, or dead, dead virus vaccine, mm-hmm. which they just use the components of the virus and um, inject it into you and your body then kind of sees it as a prey, takes it in and creates the antibodies that's necessary mm-hmm. to fight it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you, we kind of talked about this briefly, but before we just like keep moving mm-hmm. on to questions, did you, how many, did you, okay, sorry. <laughs> in terms of like the people that you worked with in, in yeah. central workers, how many essential workers had already gotten COVID from just like working in the front lines? Do you know a like a, a round or like a, almost a, or just in your case, like in the, your hospital? Yeah, good question. Um, it's hard to say, mm-hmm. to be honest, because they, they kind of what it is that we're not allowed to know yeah. um, the individuals who got it. Privacy wise, um, right? Are, yeah, confidentiality. Yeah. I mean, it's their mm-hmm. own health uh, records and stuff like that. But um, we have had people um tested positive for covid um mm-hmm. every hospital has been on outbreaks actually my hospital is still on outbreak mm-hmm. um yeah. in certain floors and units um and just to not scare people 
when they when they say an outbreak, it means that it's one to two individuals. Mm. Correct me if wrong. It's two to three individuals that are completely unrelated, and for some reason, have been tested for positive for whatever virus. Yeah. So it's not the whole place. It's just you know we're kind of like I guess you could say like the uh, very stickler or very um, kind of like helicopter regarding that. Mm-hmm. So once we know for sure confirmed that like, these people are then it's a mass testing for the whole group. And then we keep we keep that place on outbreak. No one comes in, no one comes out. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, people are placed on strict isolation protocols. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty safe in that sense. Like everyone says, oh my God, outbreak, you know, it doesn't mean like 30 people have been infected. It's just, it's more of like, you know, we, we get it right and we try to nip it at the butt. Yeah, them, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, and usually if they're, you're on outbreak, are you trying to like, um, this might be different between where my roommate works, but when they have been out outbreak in the past, they're also trying to discharge people as soon as they test negative. They're like, yes, if you're testing yes. negative, you're like out of here because we don't want the potential of someone continuing to pass something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Actually. Um, so going back to your question, uh, Rain, uh, is that, um, yeah, so we've actually had a couple of nurses who've been infected with COVID. Um, there was one nurse that actually passed away uh, due to COVID. Um, She used to work for our organization, but due to health concerns, um, she, I think she uh, was on leave Mm -hmm. uh, for that. Um, I can't really go into much detail, Mm -hmm. but um, basically she contracted it and then uh, was put into ICU and then passed. Yeah. 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 I mean, so I had it her night. Did you know that? No, uh, yeah. no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my entire house got it, actually. Well, Lucas, um, my partner, got yeah. it at work. Um, oh, geez, geez. Yeah. yeah, he's on site. Um, so for, in like, on the construction sites that are happening, he's um, yeah. a project lead. So yeah. he, he contracted it, and then we got it Christmas. <laughs> Jeez, so, um, yeah, our whole house got it. But it, it was really interesting getting mm. I mean, I'm very happy that like I didn't have it. I haven't had any like chronic things happen yet. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but and I'm happy. Like I'm very lucky also that I am okay, obviously. But what was most interesting for when we got it is the like, and I know it's such a unique situation that happened with us because we live in a house, but there's three bedrooms. Um, me and Lucas obviously live on like this floor, and then like. Uh, Danica lives downstairs and then we have another roommate but only th- uh, me and Lucas and Lindsay got it but our Danica never never tested positive but it was super mm-hmm. weird because it got passed through the house so because yeah. of that we were like having it was really hard because public health and testing facilities were giving us yeah. such different information yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so how do you guys deal with that when when you're obviously there people are asking you questions they're like but this person told me this but this person told me this yeah and like you said like changes were we're still learning so much so obviously protocols and what to tell people are constantly changing but how are you dealing with that like being there having these conversations oh yeah yeah and I'm glad I'm glad that you guys are okay um yeah it's it's I should say it's honestly weird and I think that's why it makes sense that you get a lot of people that are like naysayers regarding um this this covid because just like your situation already it's like oh how come this one person has a negative right yeah Yeah. um totally understandable um 
I mean, there's a lot of factors to that and I can yeah. go in depth with it with you. Um, but for the most part, um, what we always tell the general public is, is like, it's just what we generally do with our patients, mm-hmm. you know, is always when you're coming in contact with somebody or before you put things in your mouth or your eyes, wash <laughs> your hands, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Um, uh, make sure to wash everything and keep everything separate for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it should be fine because, uh, they're like, if you're not coughing on them, if you're not licking their spoons and their forks, you know, like if you're not intentionally trying to just make everything dirty then <laughs> it should be fine. And if mm-hmm. they're keeping themselves hygienic, then they should be fine as well too. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard because that also varies in different like individuals, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Whatever habits that you have, or whatever cultural kind of, or traditional stuff that you also do, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the onus on that individual to be accountable and to make sure that they, they keep everything safe in that sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but everyone wa- expects like a, like an answer that is like focused to them. Yeah. And I can't, and we hard. can't give that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was, I mean, you know, I talked about this on, we did like a little episode and I, I like didn't actually test positive. I'd been tested mm-hmm. twice um, yeah. until 16 days after Lucas's first symptom. And yeah. I like spent yeah. quarantine with him. We came out of quarantine and then three yeah. days later, I wasn't feeling well and I tested positive. So it was just like a real weird situation that, that happened, you know? And that's, and, like, and that's why the virus is so weird. Like yeah. in, in that sense, you know, um, uh, 14 days. Yes. Um, you know, when they exhibit symptoms, but the first two days, actually, you won't be able to test positive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, um, so some people come in and they're like, Oh, you know, my boyfriend, my partner, or yeah. my family has COVID. They test positive like a, a yesterday. And I mm-hmm. saw them yesterday. Well, it will probably most likely test negative. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you do get symptoms, which was what you did, mm-hmm. it's best to just isolate. But some people just don't, you know, they're like, oh, I test negative. I'm good. You know? Man, yeah. that's, that's yeah. crazy to me. And like, so my roommate also got sick, her nanny. Mm-hmm. And the information yeah. that the doctor gave us over the phone was very different than the information that like Rainy and them got over the phone. Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah, continue. <laughs> it was so, it was like, it was also like peak. Um, yeah. It was like during the holidays when we were like having like over 3,000 cases a day. So I think yeah. public health was really overwhelmed and obviously the sense. hospital was overwhelmed. Sorry, Corinne, to cut you that's off. That's okay. Um, I was just going to add to that, that it's like a weird virus from our experience too. Like my roommate, we, she came in contact with a person at work on like a Sunday or a Monday. And then we both went and got tested on the following Friday. So five or six days later, both tested negative. Um, the following Monday, so it would have been about six days, a week later, she started not feeling great. Didn't have a cough until the Wednesday, tested positive on the Thursday. So it was mm. like at the ninth or 10th yeah. days when she tested positive. And then yeah, yeah. we isolated separately from each other in our house, which thankfully we have like the space to do. Mm-hmm. other than the kitchen and then she wore a mask and cleaned up after herself um when she came out of her room and I tested negative on both sides and also tested negative for antibodies after the fact so it was like yeah, yeah. which to me I was like for sure I like I was like maybe I was just like asymptomatic the whole time and like yeah. missed the window of testing and I was like so I'm gonna be like positive for antibodies though nope yeah, no, actually, you're right. Because uh, a few we we have like the antibody tests 
for like the the um, research, mm-hmm. and a lot of my colleagues tested negative. Like it's it's crazy how this virus, which is I think why we we think it's such a dangerous virus because it's like normally we'd get antibodies and we'd be able to protect ourselves if we overcame it. Yeah. Um, but within three months, there's like no antibodies, you know, or like it, it just so how are you able to protect yourself? Which is why they moved into the mRNA vaccination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of vaccination rollout, yeah. um, the states has recently announced Joe Biden saying that like we, they're going to have every American vaccinated or they're going to have the vaccines available for every American by the end of May, which is interesting because obviously the states went through a change of leadership over the past six months. It's been we highly regarded in Canada as like not having their shit together politically and they really didn't have it together in the initial stages. And um, obviously there's like some crazy varying factors like Texas reopening with no masks. Um, but why is it that all of a sudden Canada feels like we're behind on this vaccine rollout and how has the States jumped ahead of us? And again, this is just your perspective I, because you are seeing a little bit of the bureaucracy that's happening within the Canada healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, so good question. I think regarding that, we have to kind of ask first is like, what kind of barriers uh, is limiting our um, potential uh, way of getting it? Um, one is, you know, bidding, right? The bidding, like uh, governments have to bid for these vaccinations. Exactly. Right. It's the money. the money. Right. Um, and so, you know, with Canada, um, you know, do we have direct ties to Pfizer? Uh, do we have direct ties to um, Moderna and all these other companies? And how are we in terms of being able to negotiate um, uh, bidding for that um, compared to the states, right? Um, and with the states, again, you know, um, majority of them have a lot of manufacturing capabilities there. Um, we usually outsource a lot of the things, which is why Canada can be very behind in that. Um, and then if that was the case where, um, you know, uh, Pfizer and Moderna and all these companies have their main manufacturing sites in the States, mm-hmm. then we have to talk about, okay, which company and what companies are going to bring this shipment to us, right? Um, and Pfizer being, you know, more of the uh, harder ways to kind of transport because they require a special um, fridge or a temperature to be Mm -hmm. in so then you know kind of making that then it's going to cost even more money uh to roll that out um which i think in a logistical standpoint and i'm sure like you know understanding from now on a smaller scale how you guys ran your projects and dealing with people and dealing with different individuals how difficult that can be now imagine it on a like a, a large scale where you're doing millions of people that you're dealing with Right. So I think that would probably be the reason why Canada is so behind in that sense. Um, that's that's the glimpse or my opinion, per se, on why we're so behind on vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we can't make our own and it's a logistical nightmare. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. um, is there any hints? when they think people are going to finally get vaccinated here? Are they giving you a date? Or are they giving us a... Well, obviously From, we started vaccine yeah. already, but in terms yeah. of, it, have we been given like everybody is going to be eligible for the vaccine at this time? Uh, good question. I think uh, they're doing it in phases. So yeah. I know that uh, the healthcare workers as well, frontline workers, and on yeah. top of that, 
um, the nursing homes are getting it. Um, and then after that, it's going to be the, they're doing it now, which is the 80 years old and above yeah. um, demographic, which I kind of find dumb. Like I kind of find stupid, but I have an opinion on that later. Yeah. Um, um, I agree too. <laughs> yeah. Just cause it's like, everything's online. You're like, you're, can you imagine an 80 year old just like trying to book her? You know what no. I mean? Like it just, it's not like accessibility is a huge thing as well too. And again, yeah. that might be another barrier, right? Right. It's like totally. being, yeah, trying to make it accessible for that demographic to be able to even, um, you know, book an appointment, right? If yeah. you don't have family members or anybody younger than you. My grandparents had to mm-hmm. call their family doctor who had to then call and make the appointment for them. Mm-hmm. Like, which is, which is why it's so dumb. It's like, you know, just, just transfer to the family doctors have these lists of all these people and have them be booked that way. Mm-hmm. You know, the onus is honestly on the family doctors because, uh, and this is me just being biased, but it's like, yo, family doctors are just sending people to emerge anyways, because they're, they're doing virtual meets. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not totally. seeing any patients, right? Like, yeah. so either you have pay for secretary to do it or you do it yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> we have public health care for a reason. Yeah. Um, so why not utilize it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that was uh, kind of like my opinion on like the rollout. And I think they say expected to be July is when everybody should be vaccinated. Mm, That's the expectation. Yeah. It's when phase yeah. three starts. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the city did release a plan like a, or the city, the province released like an overall plan mm-hmm. last week, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with like where the phases happened. But then it's also up to the individual health units throughout the province to handle the logistic parts of the rollout and to handle like more specifics. Right. That's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I kind of, I, I criticize the government for that, you know, oh, is that, yes. um, yeah, you know, you have, you have this over governing body, like, you know, mandating this stuff, but then you expect, you know, the smaller municipalities to deal with it and to do it with their own kind of way. Um, I just think that like they need to be more strict on guidelines so that, you know, it gives it's kind of like learning how to control your staff or your your crew mates. Like, you know, if they're going to be like this, then you're going to make them come in an hour earlier because, you know, that this guy, Ted, is going to come in at least like two hours late. You know, what I mean, like stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you should know that your municipalities, as much as, you know, they are getting paid and they have a lot of staff, it doesn't mean that they're going to do this well. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also just thought it was crazy of Doug Ford to like kind of push it on to all the health units when he's been gutting public health for two years, you know, he's like passing the buck. He's like, Oh, I like, we did it. Now it's Mm -hmm. up to you guys. You have, you're spending millions of dollars on consultants, you know, like I don't understand why you're, (laughs) why you're going to pass it on to it. And it goes, this, this just shows exactly how segmented our government is. Mm-hmm. Um, and how communication just falls through the cracks easy, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, and it, it, the people that get, get it the worst are the people that require these services or require help. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think this pandemic just showed exactly how, cool. you know, yeah, there's so many holes mm-hmm. and, you know, there's so many problems like the homeless community, everything, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Um, you're Filipino. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, so we, one of our roommates, um, Yoshi was Japanese. And when the virus first started, there was so much 
racism that was happening within those first few months. And I'm, I imagine it's still happening as well. I'd be just not hearing mm -hmm. as much about it. Mm -hmm. um, and he would tell me that he'd be on the train or something and he was experiencing a little bit of racism just from people being on trains with him. And how were you affected by that at all? being in like the healthcare, like admitting people? Did you have any experiences of racism happening within the virus? Uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, um, and I'm sorry to hear that like your roommate oh, okay. had to experience that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think anyone should ever experience it, but I've been seeing a lot of xenophobic, mm -hmm. you know, things on the internet mm -hmm. um, per se, uh, you know, with this whole stop Asian hate kind of movement that's going around right now. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to to correlate or to relate at the moment. Um, obviously, you know, everyone has their like racial stereotypes that people, mm -hmm. you know, perpetuate even when you're young. Um, uh, is it the same as, you know, how the Black Lives Matter kind of deals with it? I, I can't say per se, um, mm -hmm. you know, at, at my workplace, I think uh, for the most part, uh, it isn't so much more of like the verbal abuse of the fact that I'm Asian. It's more of just the fact that like I'm a nurse or like, you know, mm -hmm. just like people in a shitty situation, I get it. We yeah. come and emerge. So yeah. I haven't experienced it at all, actually, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah. He is Japanese um, and he yeah. would be on the train or um, at the like DMV or something. And there would be some situations happen and, I mean, he's a very, he's pretty free flowing dude. So he was like, it would just kind of laugh it off, but it was really awful to hear, obviously in those first six months that that, because mm -hmm. we hear so much about that, obviously from the States because of their president at the time. Yeah. Creating yeah, exactly. that, creating that, exactly. whole, you know, with calling yeah. it just terrible things. And it just doesn't feel yeah. like it would transfer. I mean, we know that there's racism in Canada, but it is still strange when it happens, you know? especially because agreed, agreed. we never Justin Trudeau was never calling it you know the China virus name, the China virus exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah I don't know it's 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 interesting I've never I've never had to deal with that to be honest mm -hmm. with you um but I do see it a lot on on the social media in, in the states uh which is crazy mm -hmm. yeah 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 and I mean there's all that happening um with uh crimes like, like against the Asian community were up like a, a huge percentage in the like 200 percent or something like that yeah, yeah yeah it's it's just a lot happening right now and I really hope that it has nothing to do like with you think it, there's a correlation between like that racism and the virus and that number being up well one end thing is that for sure when I looked at this I was like okay is this like mm -hmm. is this something that that is like a, a problem right mm -hmm. um and I have to look at it you have to first from for me always perspective wise is I have to look at it in an individual case by case basis mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when, when, when people tend to overgeneralize, then it just creates mm -hmm. even more of a, like a, like a mm -hmm. Trump mentality from totally. both sides, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. um, so it's hard for me when I, when I don't have all the facts to be like, you know, is this an isolated incident or is this literally like this whole movement that's going around, you know, mm -hmm. like I have to see that like, Oh, you know, this guy's been posting, you know, like a, like hate for a Asians or, you know, all of these other things, you know, or is this just coincidental? And that was just, you know, an unfortunate incident that this one person did hate it. Uh, mm -hmm. Or is this an actual movement that's going around? Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it's hard for me. And I haven't seen all the facts yet for yeah. me to, to form like a, an, like an actual opinion. You yeah. Know? 
no of yeah. course I was just just wondering we went back into lockdown you know it was like end of November right restrictions started getting harder officially into lockdown boxing day um, and now things are starting to open up a little bit it looks like Toronto might be into the gray zone soon yeah whatever, yeah. whatever that fucking means you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like a lot of these regulations are very like wide and sweeping and it's like we're shutting down entire industries there's not really any nuance or like room for like this isn't actually a thing so it's like how do we open up safely from your perspective and especially like in an arts perspective and in a Mm -hmm. performance perspective um being a dancer and a photographer um yeah it's kind of annoying because like with with lockdowns, I think the government, you know, used this lockdown like terminology, um, like frequently. Like it's just it's nonchalantly, you know. And totally half of the t- half of the time, the lockdown doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, like it, it it excludes major industries that require this type of um, moment and time for income. And then this is what the reason why it pisses me off because I think for the most part is, you know, if public health was very, very involved in this, uh, you know, then we would be able to create individual, um, you know, types of guidelines. Because I see, I see restaurants and I see other industries working so hard to keep it, um, you know, uh, within, uh, yeah, within safe guidelines or or keeping it safe in general. Right. Mm -hmm. And, it doesn't make sense to me that like, why is it that like, yeah, hospitals, you know, have this ability to continue to function. Why don't you just kind of use the um, processes that we already have there and just implement it in different sections of the industry or mm-hmm. sectors, yep, right? right. Um, it doesn't make any difference. Like why, why does like my emergency department have to be, you know, like we don't, we don't need to get tested every single week right? Because it's an assumption that because we are using protective equipment, we're using, you know, proper hand hygiene, then we're safe. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why is it now a twist with like the restaurant industry or the, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And mm-hmm. if people have gone like, and I've seen restaurants have gone like far and beyond to make sure that they're, they're safe and they're doing things that are safe, then why are they getting punched? You know what I mean? Um, Especially when there's some bad apples, obviously. We've seen like firsthand in Toronto how there are some restaurants who aren't following those guidelines. Adam Sins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, King yeah. Street, literally anything on King West. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it is instead of just like charging and shutting down those places, why is it like it had to be like an entire city of businesses? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the only reason why we would ever need to have a lockdown, and this is based on the un as well too is if if like our healthcare system is shot you know like yeah you know like if 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 we were in february or december where it was like you know where icu beds are full and all this stuff i can completely justify a full down lockdown you know mm-hmm. but we've been on lockdown for months now yeah. right with it yeah. being changing in between right, right? And like, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No, and I feel like this this version of lockdown is very different than the original version of lockdown, which was much like harsher. And this one yep. was like half assed this time yeah, around. It totally you know, was. it was half assed. Yeah. Cases gradual. were still climbing. Gradual things were still like allowed to happen, and like, I don't know what they expected really. Yeah, yeah, 
And that's the problem. Like, if you really think about like human human behavior, it's like you can't keep people locked up for 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 a long time. You know, and oh. then eventually delinquency happens, and people are just gonna disregard the rules. Like, yeah. you know, if if cases are climbing up really high, and you know, it's complete show that like you know people are disregarding like safety guidelines and rules, then for sure, like you know, but it's stupid because like again the government doesn't properly enforce, you know, when, when delinquents like occur, right. Um, you can, and, and it's not a rule for restaurants to refuse service for someone who has no mask, you know, you know, you get all these people coming in, like, you know, Karen's and all these other people just coming in. I'm not wearing a mask, blah, blah. I got asthma. I got a medical condition, you know, like these dumb people that like just want to cause problems because, you know, they feel entitled to, to their own opinion um rather than like the safety of others then enforce it make it so that they're able to enforce it but they don't so then you have these restaurants just having to be like i can't like you know we're gonna be disrupted um yeah you know uh so so that's the one thing i think that like the government really just failed on uh is is like lack of enforcement and you know improper use of lockdowns yeah 100 percent because i think it I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Hernani, but it is proven mm. that masks and proper hygiene and um, physical distancing are things that are effective, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So with thinking mm-hmm. about those things, not 100% effective, but they're effective. Not 100%, but they are effective for the most part, right? And yeah. in conjunction. Yeah. So then, like, why can't things start to open in other industries? And, like, if those things are implemented properly like why can't there be you know gyms why can't there be salons why can't there be things that and I know like in the grand scheme of like industries that are important like maybe they're not like on the top of the list but you know people those are people's jobs and those are people's livelihoods and you know yeah um like when I'm still shooting when this whole thing is going around so I still uh, do my photography um, but I keep it safe, you know, I wash my hand and make sure that they wash their hands. We wear a mask. Uh, we do a screening, making sure that you're not sick and I'm not sick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and it's still, it's doable, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously some people, it's not a main practice for them. So they'll make mistakes, all this stuff, but, you know, uh, companies have gone far above and beyond, like hiring a hygienist, like, you know, some, some hygienic person to like, make sure that everyone's fine wearing, like doing proper rules. Like, why can't that be a thing? Why can't, you know, like, right. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me that like, you have to shut everything down. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is all political to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yes. Rather than it is like based on public health circumstances uh, or advice. It, I, I think it's all political. I mm-hmm. think whatever the health minister is saying is being more of a pressure rather than it being like what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, have you guys watched uh, Chernobyl? I don't know if you've seen it. I, I did, yeah. Episodes. So that is exactly how it shows, um, you know, how government can easily uh, manipulate or uh, influence, um, you know, uh, right. certain officials and experts to mm-hmm. making a bad decision or, you know, um, yeah. you know, you say one opinion, but like, hey, listen, man, no, nah, like we're, we're going to stick with this. So you have to say it like this, Yeah, you know? So I think I think in in reality this is all becoming more political than it is um, you know an actual advice. Yeah, I agree. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it feels weird to ask you the question now because we didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Um, I guess is being an artist in this time while you're also an essential worker killing you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fucking yeah. killing <laughs> <Sorry>. me. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you and I was like, we <laughs> definitely a different perspective than it was before for sure yeah 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 um do you see an end and an, like an end near in this virus um yeah it won't be anytime soon to be honest with you though but i think it, it'll be soon uh sorry not soon it'll it there is an end it's just it won't be as soon as we think it is yeah do you mean that like into 2022 or do you mean that by the end of the year i say like 2022 yeah 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 and i think that's just i mean it's a, we're pivoting Corinne. it's gotta be a pivot it is, <laughs> you, it you is. tell me that word one more time i'm gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just crazy um hernani if people wanted to find your photography page <laughs> again we didn't talk about it at all and i feel so bad no that's okay don't worry about it what are you so you're still shooting with people yeah 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 Uh, he's posing for you in the back there i love it (laughs) um yeah nanny.shoots is uh the page to follow um that's kind of like my handle for all platforms um it's mainly headshots it's very safe i don't really like to do big projects until i feel like it's like more open you know yeah 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 Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming thank and you. doing a COVID episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> I mean, we were just like keep ranting and raving. So we thought it was appropriate to like ask a professional have a, <laughs> have a proper episode that's dedicated just to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good to have like different perspectives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know I feel for everybody like in the different types of industries because it's hard. Like I have friends that have been working in the restaurants or whatever, and you know, they're not doing anything right now. Right. Yeah. My, my, my friend lost his restaurant. So it's just like one of those things where it's like, geez, man, like how do we, how can people adapt and be flexible during this time? Right. Totally. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a really hard time when, I mean, so much of the population is unemployed right now yeah. or yeah. on like probation still in their work because they don't know how much more budgetary funding can go toward their position so yeah that's just yeah man that's nuts no well thank you so much for coming yes. on go thank check you. out her nanny's instagram go check out his website um thank you so much for coming on if you liked this episode if you have comments if you have questions send us a direct message send us a facebook message comment on the post share this if you um like what you're hearing thank you guys so much check us out on instagram facebook and go to our patreon page to subscribe to become a very special member thank you (laughs) awesome